0: I hope those videos just give you a little taste of um, what uh, your student ministry is here at Mission View. Last year, we did this for the first time. We had like student ministry take over the Sunday service and it was great, but so many people came up to me and they were like, I had no idea how many students we have uh, in our church. And I I, I feel like at a normal church, uh, a day like this would be an opportunity to plug students in to, to opportunities to serve. Uh, But the reason you don't always see them this often on a Sunday morning is because they're already doing that. And so we have students uh, who are often uh, serving in the children's ministry, who are serving up in um, uh, the audio-video production and doing all sorts of things for the church. And so um, we even, you just want to take a Sunday and let you see your student ministry. So um, I hope that gives you a little bit uh, of a taste of what we're about. Um, that, th- th- uh, those videos that uh, didn't show all of our students, it didn't show all of our leaders, uh, but I, I want to say thank you to the leaders that we have had all year, and that's uh, my wife Emily, my coworker Hannah, uh, Nick Rochford is here, Jenea Schmidt is somewhere, as well as uh, Riley Gankowski and David Lotney. These, uh, these guys care about pouring into the lives of students. Um, and so if you're a parent and you see them, uh, make sure you say, you say hello. Uh, make sure that you know them. You say uh, you say thank you to them. Uh, we we love uh, being part of the student ministry because uh, we love the Lord and I love what uh, I, I I appreciate what Riley said in that video that you're if you're involved in student ministry you're actively doing what God has called you to do and that is to make disciples. Um, we have uh, just finished up a weekend of mulching. Uh, we did mulch madness yesterday. Do we have a picture of that? There you go. Uh, it was thunderstorming and awful. Uh, we had a car die. It was indeed madness. And, um, uh, but the students were able to raise over $2,000 towards, uh, towards their mission trips to go to, uh, to Camp Echoing Hills in Warsaw, Ohio and Mazatlan, Mexico. So it's funny. Students are serving to raise money so that they can go serve other places. Um, and I'm uh, appreciative, appreciative of all of you who, who gave to that project. Um, uh, I love being part of the student ministry here. All right, that, uh, that behind us, we are in a series called Family Life. Uh, last week, uh, we, we kind of kicked off this series, and uh, Steve expressed that uh, the vision for the whole church at this point is to kind of take an introspective uh, look. I think the church uh, is supposed to be one that, uh, that breathes in and breathes out. We breathe in. We, we love God. We breathe out. We love others. We breathe in. We disciple. We breathe out. We evangelize. And right now we're in a stage in the church where we are breathing in. We really want to build home base, make sure that we're all on the same page. We want to identify uh, the characteristics of a healthy church. We want to focus on building the family. And so that's what this series is about. Butch kind of kicked us off. Uh, And he introduced it. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is all about putting on the new self. The beginning of it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we're talking about being raised with Christ, and he introduced us to this concept that since we have been raised, if or since we have been raised, now we do these things. We, we die to our old selves, we seek things that are above, we put to death earthly things, which he, which he names, and he goes through kind of a list there. And then he tells us what to put on like a garment in verse 12. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, passionate, uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and he lists a bunch of things there. Uh, and immediately after this section, we get into, uh, my, my Bible uh, subtitles this, Rules for Christian Households. So we are in verse 18. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And then our verse for this morning is this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I think uh, when you talk about children, obey your parents, there's like a little sigh in the room, and parents are like, yes, and, and students are like, no. Uh, but listen, I, there are uh, all sorts of great people that we have come and speak to us, uh, to come and divide God's word for us, not just Steve. Uh, our elders have come. We've had, uh, we've had um, uh, other God-fearing men in the church. We've had some pastors from Maranatha, and I put together a chart for you. This is a... These, you know, I think there are a lot of people that could talk about uh, obedience to parents, and I'm not sure I would have chosen myself for this topic, but I think this will work out for us actually in our favor. I am, uh, I'm 23, so I'm at that in-between stage where I don't have kids, but I'm out of my parents' house, and so I still go to them for counsel and things like that. Uh, but I also, because of my lack of experience as a parent, want to make sure that I am using scripture to inform scripture, and so this morning we're gonna have a lot of, a lot of scripture. Uh, I'm gonna be tethered to my notes probably more so than usual, but I hope that we can learn some things uh, about what it means uh, for all of us. I'm not just talking to students, I'm not just talking to parents, and we're going to see how this putting on of Christ that, that Butch mentioned, uh, influence how, influences how wives and husbands treat each other, how parents and children's uh, children's children relate to one another. And essentially, the, the simple uh, message that, that I think Butch was trying to tell us and that we see in Colossians, is that this vertical relationship between people and God influences the horizontal relationships that we have influences how the family, how the church treats, respects, loves one another. The vertical relationship spills over into the horizontal relationships that we have. As we move forward, I want to make three assumptions, though. There's three assumptions that we have to keep in mind. First is that God indeed has made us to be in relationships. God has made us as relational beings. And I don't think too many people would disagree with that. Um, but we see um, that God, in one essence, God, has existed eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in uh, Genesis 1, there, there's, a, there's a word, uh, perichoresis, which is this, this uh, loving relationship that God the Father, the Son, Spirit has amongst himself. Um, God has existed in eternity past in relationship. We have a relational God. And then in the beginning of Genesis, we see in God's creative work that he creates Adam in his image. Let us make man in our image, Scripture says. And so a relational God has made man to be relational like God. Not only that, but uh, uh, in all of his creative work, Uh, God says, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then finally, after creating Adam, he says, it is not good for man to dwell alone. And so God creates Eve. And we see that man is not just made to be in relationship with God, but in relationship with others. The second assumption that I want to make this morning is that God has established authority structures in those relationships. And we're not going to spend too much time uh, here But if you just look throughout scripture, you can see God has established authority structures uh, with regard to husband and wives, with regards to parents and children, with regard to uh, employers and employees, with governments and civilians. And it's talked about all through scripture that there are authority structures in place. And we even see that in the life of Christ, who submitted completely to the Father's will, even to the point of death on a cross. And that's why we hear in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, says, uh, thy kingdom come, your will be done. And so there are authority structures in relationships, even among the Godhead. And then third, we live in a fallen world. So it's easy to have an idealistic attitude about relationships and authority structures and things like that. But the reality is we live in a fallen world. And this is why I bring this up. Because when I said we're gonna be talking about children, obey your parents, everyone immediately had something in their mind as to what that looks like and what that means. But it's not true that you know we all have this perfect nuclear family and we got mom and dad and two kids in the house and we eat dinner at the dinner table every night and things, and we have a dog and a white picket fence and all that stuff. The reality is that many of us come from broken homes. We have parents who have been divorced Uh, Maybe our parents have passed away, maybe we never knew our parents, and we were bounced around from foster home to foster home until we turned 18. The sad reality is that we do live in a fallen world, and so I bring that up because I want to let you know that regardless of your situation, this message is for you. And I'm not just talking about parents with young children in the home, I want to talk uh, to you who, uh, maybe your parents are 80 and you're 50. It's an important enough topic for God to include it in, in the Ten Commandments. And so I want us to put aside our, our, our predispositions and the things we have in mind, like, oh, I really want my son or daughter to hear this. This, this message is for my son or daughter. I wanna put those aside and come to scripture with the attitude that this is for us. And so I want us to think rightly as we begin. So those are our assumptions. And then as we move forward, I have uh, three points that I wanna cover as I often do, and we're gonna, we're gonna go through these three points. The first is that obedience as a whole, I like a bird's-eye kind of top-down view, obedience as a whole is a necessary part of the Christian life. Second, love is a necessary part of obedience. And then third, discipline is a necessary part of love. You guys see where I'm going with this? Obedience is necessary in the Christian life. Love is necessary uh, in obedience and discipline is necessary in love. I'm going to, uh, we're going to go through a couple verses here and I'm going to be uh, sprinkling some, some application throughout, so be listening for that. First, let me pray. God, thanks for who you are. You are good and you love us even when we are not good and we do not love you. God, you are faithful to us even when we are not faithful to you. I pray that we would be reminded this morning as we look at uh, children and parents and this family life relationship uh, that you have called yourself Father to us. I pray that that would be uh, on the forefront of our minds as we move forward. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our verse. In Colossians 3 verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I'm not just talking to kids. I'm not talking, uh, I'm, I'm talking to everybody. Already, obedience is kind of an unfun topic. As Christians, we ask ourselves, we ask each other, like, what has God been teaching you? Or, or what are you learning about in God's word? You know, we have some of these kind of cliche christian things that we ask each other, but we don't sit across the table from somebody and say, how obedient have you been to God? today. Uh, maybe if you have a, somebody who you uh, developed an accountability relationship uh, you do that with, but I don't think it comes natural to us to talk about obedience to God, whether we're children or aso- adolescents or adults. Nobody likes to talk about this. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Why don't we like to talk about obedience? Because we are disobedient because we do not care about pleasing the Lord, whether we're children uh, referring to parents or we're adults referring to the things in our lives. Remember I said we had a few assumptions. Number three was we live in a fallen world. We are in fact disobedient and sinful humans. And when God uh, is doing his creative work and he finishes up, we see this perfect relationship between God and man in the Garden of Eden and then mankind sins. And there's this virus, this sickness that, is introduced into the world, which we call sin. And so often pleasing the Lord isn't even on our radar. If it is on our radar, we will still kinda bend and manipulate what God says, maybe what God says in his word. We'll say, oh, I really wanna live a godly life, but I also wanna sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend, what do I do? Or, oh, I really wanna live with godly integrity, but if I just fixed my taxes a little bit, it could be really beneficial to our family. The unfortunate reality is that on earth, people live completely to please themselves and we have this sin nature within us and that's why ultimately Christ came to live and die and be raised in the first place so that we could then have a right relationship with God. And even Paul understood this. He said this in Romans chapter seven, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. We could say obey maybe, obey God but not the ability to carry it out. For I did not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I bring this up uh, to remind parents that your kids are sinners. Some of you are like, yeah, duh. Um, But I think that uh, in the past maybe uh, 20 years or so, Uh, especially with the, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but the millennial generation, I hate when people talk about millennials all the time, but with the millennial generation, I think we tend to tell our kids, you are perfect, you can grow up to be anything you wanna be, it doesn't matter, be who you wanna be. Uh, Do we ever tell our kids that they're they're a mess? They're a mess. Before there's good news of the gospel, there's bad news, and that that is that you're a mess, and these guys know, I tell them that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Your kids are not perfect. They are sinners. And so uh, before we begin to talk about obedience and children obey your parents, I want to ask you, what is it that your kids need? Jesus. What do disobedient and sinful people need? It's Jesus. So whether or not your son or daughter mowed the lawn when you told them to will not affect their standing for eternity. It will not affect where they spend eternity. This is what Paul says right after that verse in chapter 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Pleasing God and obedience to God is more about who Jesus Christ than it is about what we do. And some of you parents I just lost there, and that's because uh, I, I think that uh, especially parents who, who grow their children up in a, in a Christian home uh, feel like, yeah, you know, let's talk about obedience. I want to talk about obedience. You know, I don't want to talk about this gospel stuff right now. I, I get that. I teach my kids that. But I think often we spend our days trying to raise good kids and we forget about raising, raising Christian kids. We want to have good kids and we forget about Christian kids. And so for maybe the elementary years we, we, we are sharing the gospel with them, you know, we're, we're teaching them life lessons and relating it to Christ and we're, we're learning scripture together, but then it kind of all disappears when they get to middle school and high school and we're surprised. Or maybe if our, if our kids have manners at the dinner table and they respect their elders and they get good grades, we decide that that's good enough for us and we don't care about talking about Christ in the home anymore. But I don't want us to confuse being good with being saved. I don't want us to confuse obedience to parents with obedience to God. I don't want us to care more about obedient children than children who know the obedient one who is Jesus Christ. So let's not settle for morality. Don't settle for just good kids. Saturate your homes, your words, your conversations with Christ. Make your house a house of prayer. Challenge your kids on the gospel. Go home today and ask your kids to share the gospel with you and see if they know it. Don't assume that because you have a well-behaved son or daughter that they're saved. Ask them explicitly what saves you and do it all the time, not just as they're growing up through the elementary years, but even as they're older. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, this verse is called the Shema. It's, uh, it's probably the most famous Old Testament verse as far as Israel is concerned in, in Israel's history. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This inclusive language, this when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're standing, when you're laying down, when you rise, when you, when you lay down, this is a very inclusive language and I, I think it's telling us that God is at the forefront all the time. Not just on Sunday mornings. Joshua chapter twenty-four verse fifteen, he says, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." He doesn't say we will be good. As for me and my house, my kids are going to do what I say. We will serve the Lord. It's interesting. I don't think uh, Joshua like sat down with the kids and they took you know a vote like, "What's going to be our mantra as a family?" All right, children, obey your parents. There's another, uh, uh, Paul writes similarly to the church in Ephesus. So in Ephesians chapter six, it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he expounds on that, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And this is a reference to Exodus chapter 20. Where Israel is wandering in the desert, God has rescued them from uh, slavery in Egypt and he's taking them to the promised land and Moses brings down the Ten Commandments to the people. And God gives them this commandment as one of them. It's the first one that moves from about this vertical relationship, the love God part and moves into a horizontal love others part and it's talking about relationships with others. It's the first one that does that and it's also the first one that comes with a promise that Israel's days may be long in the land that God is giving to them. And now we see in the New Testament Paul repeats this but he's not talking to wandering Israelites anymore and so what that tells us is that there's a transferable principle that obeying parents pleases the Lord, obeying parents is right but obeying parents kids is also good for you. God blesses those who obey parents. And he doesn't launch into a big explanation of what that means in Ephesians, but we can gather some thoughts from experience. For example, uh, why might a parent tell the child not to touch a stove? Because it's hot. A parent might tell a, a child not to cross the street so they don't get hit by a car. I might tell a child not to uh, go and talk to strangers. Might tell a child or a a student why they shouldn't stay out all night with their friends. gets a little more sensitive when we get into stuff like that. So if you're a child who's still in your parents' homes, ask yourself, how might this be good for me? How might what my parent is telling me to do Be good for me. Have you ever considered that your parents might know a little bit what they're talking about? Uh, That they might have wisdom and life experience just from being older, being on this earth longer? I heard a story of a a 15-year-old who uh, was living in his parents' house, and uh, he got into an argument with his dad, and he was like, Dad, my dad is so dumb. He doesn't understand anything. He's so stupid. I feel like we've all had this thought in our head before. Uh, He's so stupid. He doesn't understand. He just doesn't know. And then uh, five, six, seven years later, now a 20, 21, 22-year-old, the son was having a conversation with his father. And he was like, man, it is amazing how much my dad has learned in these past five, six, seven years. (laughs) Trust your parents. Obey your parents. But then there's a problem. What do we do if we have dishonorable parents? How do we honor parents who are dishonorable? You don't understand my parents? You don't understand my kids? I want you to consider Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect Savior, as he had to deal with imperfect parents. I've never, I never thought about this until, until studying this morning. This is from Luke chapter two. And they, Jesus' parents, did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What respect Christ must have had for the office of motherhood and fatherhood, for the perfect, sinless Son of God to be submissive to imperfect, sinful parents. Did you catch that? He came uh, to Nazareth and was submissive to them. The perfect, sinless Son of God to be submissive to imperfect, sinful parents. If you feel like your parents are so far off the beaten path, you have a Savior who can identify with you. There's a saying in the military, salute the rank, not the man. And the idea is that if there's someone of a higher rank than you, you are saluting the uniform rather than the person inside it. You are respecting the position more so than the person. So students, it's okay if you have messed up parents. Parents, it's okay to be messed up in front of your, in front of your kids. Uh, with this, it might be beneficial to us as parents to acknowledge our sinfulness both before God and before our family. If you haven't told your, your, your kids maybe what some of your struggles are as a parent, they probably have their own ideas of what your struggles are as a parent. And there's a time and a place for this, sure, but I think that the family unit can be stronger if we keep that assumption number three, that we live in a fallen world and we are all sinful, disobedient people. I think we can, uh, we can be stronger that way. Practically what that looks like is I, I know that it is difficult uh, for a parent perhaps to, to say to their son or daughter a, a, and preach to them uh, purity growing up, for example. Purity. That can be a really hard topic to discuss, especially if you as a parent did not experience that when you were growing up. But I think if we take an honest approach to our sinfulness before God and before each other, that we will grow as families, we will grow as churches, and we can encourage one another in our struggles. Perhaps you're here and you're one of those people with no family at all or a broken family. Uh, Maybe your parents are out of the house already. Maybe you, you have your own kids. I wanna encourage you to respect the office of motherhood and fatherhood. Honor mothers and fathers anyway. Don't live in constant criticism of your 80-year-old mother or father. Don't live in constant criticism of the way they talk to you or the way they treat others. Encourage them towards faithfulness in the Lord in the midst of their struggle. Another thing we can do is not constantly judge others by the way they parent their kids. We can't constantly be gossiping and slandering them. Salute the rank of motherhood and fatherhood. That's something that we can all do as we seek to obey and honor parents. Jesus honored his mother and father. He obeyed them. He submitted to them, which is crazy to think about. And eventually, the same Jesus would grow up and ask of his followers this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? He will expect obedience of his followers. Obedience is a necessary part of the Christian life. Whether we're adults or children, obedience to parents is obedience to God. Okay? Obedience to parents is obedience to God. Honoring parenthood is honoring the God that calls himself Father. All right, moving on. That same Jesus would also say, if you love me you will keep my commandments, which leads us to our next section, that love is a necessary part of obedience. Remember that verse in Romans chapter seven, Paul was talking about how we often want to obey, but we can't. We fail at loving and keeping these commandments that Jesus has explicitly stated. Here's what's interesting though. Before God ever tells you what to do in scripture, he tells you who you are. Before God tells you what to do, he tells you who you are. I have a, a friend, a roommate in college, and every time he left the house, his parents would say, hey, remember who who you are and whose you are. And it stuck with him, and then he told me that, and now it's stuck with me ever since then. Before God tells you what to do, he tells you who you are. Uh, Here, I'll prove it to you. At the beginning of Colossians 3, when we start talking here, it says, if or since then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts and kindness. Even if we go to the beginning of Colossians, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. In Scripture, we often find that God tells you who you are before he tells you what to do. There are a few uh, Greek words for love in Scripture. One of them is agape, uh, which is sort of unconditional love. Uh, we, we, we Bible students get tattoos of this uh, in Chicago. Um, we often use it in weddings. Uh, we like to say that God's love for us is unconditional, and that is true, and that it is not based on our merit. We can't work hard enough. We can't be good enough to earn our way to heaven. But God's love for us is conditional on perfect obedience, but that is of Christ's perfect obedience. If Christ was not perfectly obedient to the Father, then we would have no standing before God. And fortunately for us, Christ was wholly obedient and we received the love that God the Father has for his Son. We put our faith in Christ and we are joined as sons and as daughters into the loving family relationship that God has. And here's what happens. Here's the result of that. My, uh, my dad passed away when I was 10, but I can remember when he was still alive, he uh, worked as a manager of a JCPenney's at one point and a Target at one point. And uh, he took a briefcase to work and he was getting a new briefcase and he gave me his old one. So I had uh, this big, I was like eight, I don't know, I had I this big briefcase, leather briefcase, which obviously I don't need for anything. Still have it though, which is kind of weird. But he gave me this big briefcase, and I remember uh, inside was a big gray cinder block of a cell phone when those first came out. Uh, and I would wear some khaki pants and a red shirt and his little name tag. And I'm dressing up like I work at Target. And now I don't like, Target's an okay job, but it's not lion taming or anything like that. Uh, But I did that because I wanted to be like Daddy. I love Daddy. When you love your Father, you want to be like Him. You want to do what He says. John 14.31 says this. Uh, Jesus says, I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. John 14:21 says this, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make uh, and manifest myself to him. Tell your children who they are as sons and daughters, as sons and daughters in Christ before you tell them what to do, because once we understand this, obedience is completely different and it is all about love foster loving relationships in your home because obedience without love is just legalism. And yet, be reminded that because of Christ, we are still loved even when we are disobedient. This is a picture of a pirate ship. I don't like, uh, by all accounts, this is not a good picture of a pirate ship. I don't like this picture because the artist drew in the lines. I don't like this picture because of the coloring. I don't even know what's going on over here. I don't like this picture for the shading. By all accounts, it's a pretty bad picture. Why do I love this picture? I've told you guys this. Why do I like this picture? Anybody? Chris? Says it at the top. It's from my nephew, and I love my nephew. My nephew drew it. It's agape, it's this unconditional love. It's not because he drew in the lines, and I keep this as on my desk as a reminder of God's love for me, that he loves me even when I am disobedient and even when I don't measure up. Parents, we wanna talk obedience. Do your kids know how you feel about them. Do your kids know that you have this love for them? Don't let disobedience eclipse love. Remind your kids that you love them every chance, every opportunity, even in the midst of disobedience, even in the midst of instruction and correction. Pray for your children in those times. See creative ways to tell them what it is you love about them. Show them how you love them. There are two ways that we know somebody loves us by what we say and what we do. If someone tells you they love, them, they love you, if someone does something sh- to show that they love you, don't just settle for one or the other. If dad, you work really hard and you uh, provide for your family, You might lean towards saying, well, I do, you know, I I do these things. And you might neglect often to tell your kids specifically that you love them. Um, Moms, maybe you are often saying I love you, saying I love you, and you kind of settle for that and you don't often show them. Make love a necessary part of obedience because it is for Christ and his Father. And finally, discipline is a necessary part of love. This is Proverbs verse 13. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Revelation 3. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. There's some parents who don't discipline their kids or they let the kids rule the house. Discipline your kids. And that sounds like it's, it's very straightforward. I don't need to spend a ton of time here, but just as a parent will give parameters and rules in the house, a parent must also enforce those rules and provide discipline, correction, instruction when necessary. Uh, Make those uh, corrections, instructions, make those rules, uh, make them clear and obvious so that your children know them. But be reminded, uh, (coughs) students be reminded, parents be reminded, that uh, discipline doesn't go unchecked in scripture. Remember our original verse, Colossians 3, says this uh, immediately after Uh, Children, obey your parents. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Same thing in Ephesians. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, what does it mean to discipline and instruct rather than to provoke? What does it mean to discipline and instruct instead of provoking? Don't overly criticize your children. Don't overly criticize your kids. Don't capitalize on their mistakes. Don't joke with uh, with friends or or people that you meet, uh, or people that you're hanging out with. Don't joke about your kids' disobedience, even if it's funny. Uh, don't do it in front of your kids. Don't do it behind your kids' backs. Rather encourage your children. Encourage your children to your children. Encourage your children to others. Be encouraging. Pursue your children. Know and understand their strengths, their desires, their goals, their dreams. I should be able to ask every parent in the room uh, these things about their children. They should be able to answer. Consider the relentless pursuit of God's love towards you as you pursue your son or daughter. We can't afford to have laissez-faire parents because we don't have a laissez-faire God. Uh, I want to finish up with a, with a quote by a, a Bible scholar named B.B. Warfield. And uh, I'll read it twice because it's kind of it's hefty. This is what it says. As Jesus' love to the Father was the source of his obedience to the Father, and it was the living spring of his faithfulness to his work which had been committed to him, so he, Jesus, declares that the love of his followers to him imitation and reproducing his love to them is to be their source of their obedience and through that all of the good that can come to human beings including as the highest reach of social perfection love for one another let me read it again as his love to the father was the source of his obedience to the father and the living spring of his faithfulness to the work which he had been committed to him so he declares that the love of his followers to him, imitation and re- reproducing his love to them, is to be the source of their obedience to him. And through that, all of the good that can come to human beings, including as the highest reach of social perfection, their love for one another. Children, let your vertical relationship with God influence your horizontal relationship with your parents. Let your vertical relationship to God influence how you obey your parents. Parents, let your vertical relationships, uh, let your vertical relationship to God influence your relationships with your kids. Let this teach you how to teach obedience. Obedience is important, it's a necessary part of the Christian life, but it has to be saturated in love. And love and discipline have to go together, so don't be discouraged, obey your parents. Some of us um, might need to think about uh, forgiveness and repentance. Some of us may have broken relationships with our parents whether we're still in the house with them or not. Um, Forgiveness might be something that uh, that needs to take place because remember we all live in a fallen world. If you're here and maybe this is all new to you and, you you know, why is some guy, you know, talking about obeying parents and things like that? Maybe you don't know the love of a savior. Um, I want you to know that this relationship between parents and children uh, mimics a relationship between God and man. And so God has made man to be in relationship with him, but we have failed at that miserably. And so God in his love, has decided that he would take care of it in the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because we have put our faith and our trust and our hope in the saving work of Jesus Christ, now I can have a love and an obedient relationship to God the Father. Forgiveness had to take place in that relationship as well. Forgiveness had to take place before the love and the obedience and the discipline. So if forgiveness needs to come first for you before any of this, take the steps to make that happen, whether that is just between you and your parents or you and your children or between you and God. Let me pray. Father, you are father to us. While we may have Uh, broken relationships with our earthly father or no relationships with our earthly parents at all, we are reminded that you are always faithful, always good, always loving. That you reprove your children whom you love and that you seek to have us be obedient to you out of your love as well. I pray that as uh, we, we consider children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord, we would understand that it's all about love. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.